Team, hope we're well. Hope we're having a fantastic day so far. Welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. Sorry, this has went out a little bit later again this week. Me and Jen have clearly just been too busy recently and we've been focusing on so much other stuff that we've had to continuously push our podcast recording back. But we still made that deal that we were going to get it in each and every single week. So if you were looking for it earlier on and we never delivered, we do apologize. But we want to make sure that everything that we bring to you is continuously potent. Let's put it that way, because we do want to keep on opening your eyes to what this journey really looks like. This journey through life, physical transformation, mental transformation, and probably transformation of values as well. And obviously, we've covered so much stuff across the course of the past number of weeks that I think very often people think we're going to run out of content, but our clients still like three years later are not tired of anything we talk about because they know that the perspective that we offer on different things is just continuously growing, adapting and evolving. And we want to make sure that we bring that same level of perspective to you. So today, Jen and I are actually going to talk to you about life principles. So Jen's going to go through five life principles or she's going to talk about five life principles throughout this um, this podcast and we're going to chat about each of them and we're going to give different perspectives on realistically what they mean probably to both of us but also how that translates into the Built for Life journey. So Jen you want to give us principle number one? Absolutely. Uh, before I kick off with principle number one um, I was going to say that like I think when we were talking about this we sometimes I have the conversation with people who are not in the program when they're like but what is it you actually do right because they know that that we do something different but it can sometimes be hard to almost communicate that or almost translate that because sometimes we are not consciously aware <laughs> of those things as well right until we talk it through and we're like oh that's how we do it because we've both been doing it for so long it just kind of comes instinctively so I think between like you know um our last uh, last week's episode and this one this I really want anyone who's maybe not inside the program and is maybe a wee bit curious about how we actually do these things just about helping you kind of translate that over into what that actually means and I think for our clients as well who listen to understand that there will be one of these principles that you're not currently mastering that could be the difference between you operating it good and you operating it great. Um, so these are actually based um, on the the talk that I did at our uh, live event in January um, because I told the team that they should live and die <laughs> by these principles and, yeah. and I, don't, I don't change that viewpoint at all. Um, and I think it's about understanding and helping people to understand not only how they change their life significantly but how they take themselves from living a good life to living a high performing life and, and really the difference in taking yourself up a notch a, a, a notch <laughs> taking yourself up a notch forgive <laughs> me um from where you're operating currently and what specifically that looks like and it it's very rarely about doing things and more about being things like how you approach situations and how you manage yourself through challenge as opposed to doing things differently it's the way in which you do them that changes um so our first principle is that change is a compound effect of making 51% of your decisions the right ones. Um, we've spoken about this before, 
And I think that that percentage um, is probably the percentage that a lot of people make in favour of change the vast majority of the time before they enter into a journey of change. Um, we'll probably see this quite a lot in people saying that they've been training in the gym for years, but they never see any progress or I'm always on a diet, but I never lose any weight. Right. And it's probably because 51 percent of the behaviour is in favour of the change. So the change is happening, but majorly, majorly, slowly, too slowly for you actually see the results that you want to see. And you therefore convince yourself that it's not working. Um, so when we work with people, we're trying to help them understand how they increase that percentage a wee bit higher. In your opinion, where does that per- that percentage need to be when you start off on a journey of change for it to be realistic, sustainable, see enough change? It's totally dependent on the individual starting point, I would say. I think if you're someone that's got a lot of weight to lose, you're probably talking it could be around about 60%. I think we've seen so many clients on their journey start with is their first week, maybe two weeks, three weeks, they lose like a stone. And then they start to not lose anything thereafter because they don't realize that they have to go to the next level, the next percentage to actually keep on moving forward. So they perceive that what they've done to get them here now, that initial weight loss is essentially guaranteed again moving forward i've done this to get here so therefore if i keep doing it i'm going to keep on losing weight at the rate that i am or my performance is going to keep on adapting and rising and going in the right direction the way that i wanted to so initially i think if you are carrying a lot more body fat you've got a lot of weight to lose probably roughly about the 60 percent mark if you're someone who's already in a decent enough position you're already operating in a good place but you want to go to a fucking great place you're talking like 85 90 percent and i think this is where it really becomes difficult for people because we've spoke previously about the fact that let's say a calorie deficit by default is unsustainable. And it is because you shouldn't live in a calorie deficit forever. You shouldn't be dieting forever. And most people who have been dieting forever have not been in a calorie deficit forever. That's why they think it's it's sustainable to live dieting constantly, year in, year out, because they've never actually progressed enough for it to be harmful enough to their health at very lean stages of body fat percentage. So if you are already in a good place and you want to be great, you really need to be at that kind of 85 to 90% mark. The closer to 100, the better. But we also know that 100's not always going to be realistic for some people. You will meet some characters sometimes, like they just want to fucking push themselves as hard as they can. And they'll do everything you tell them to do. They take feedback on board. There's no issues. They intuitively and instinctively know what they have to do. So it's like if they're invited to a night out, you don't even have to talk to them about what choices they need to make when they're there. They're just like, no, it's not conducive to my goals. Those are the people that are like at 100% and they're just totally different animal. We understand that the people that really want to achieve high performance know that they're not going to be occasionally great you know, but they're going to be regularly good, consistently good. So they want to find that kind of even keel and balance because a lot of these people usually do have values around family, around business, career, growth, development. So to be just 100% all in with their body transformation and the transformation of themselves when they're not really seeing it resemble the results they want to see in other areas as well, 100% is just not really sustainable for them. If you've got someone who just purely wants to focus on their performance and they're 100% all in, then great, they will go flying. But the people that are already in a good place and want to get better but still have these things they value intact, probably the 85 to 90% bracket. And if we have to translate that to what this could look like, 
the people getting away at 60% might still eat out two or three times per week, make slightly better choices than they were making, but still they're maybe not valuing the calories they're consuming at the level that they're actually at. They probably still drink once a week. They might actually still binge drink. They've just drastically changed their, their drink of choice. They choose to get up and go a walk and not binge out all day on a Sunday, for example. Um, so they initially get away with it because the movement they're doing during the week, the training they're doing during the week, the fact that they are making relatively better choices, they see that initial progress. But as they lose that first so stone, for example, it's like, right, well, you now need to move up to 65 or 70%. So what meal out the week has to go? How many times are you going to drink per month? Because you can't drink every weekend now. And that's where it gets really tough for people because they want to have their cake and eat it too, but they're not living in a real world either. So the people up at like 85 to 90%, they have great goals and great vision, so much so that they know, you know what, I know I can't drink every single weekend and get away with it. I just know I can't. It makes me feel shit if I'm training three, four times a week, if I'm going to run a marathon, if I'm pushing business, I'm just not my productivity shot. So they're more inclined to be naturally towards the 85 to 90% a lot of the time because they're already conscious of the fact that these things will downregulate performance, both physically and cognitively as well. So they they do make better choices kind of naturally. Um, not always, but sometimes um, you usually find that they do. So roughly those percentages I would say mm, yeah I totally agree with you and I think sometimes what happens is that people can if I were to ask someone how many decisions if you were to put a percentage on it how many decisions are you making in favor of the change that number would be so skewed right dependent on the person because actually people don't bring themselves back and I know I've spoken about this before but to the, the minor decision in the moment so actually how many of your decisions are you actually keeping track of right how many times are you able to reflect back over your week and say actually I've made this decision and this decision and that's within the scope of my flexibility therefore like that's me reached my flexibility limit I need to make this decision differently now in line with what it is that I'm trying to do it's almost as if I think a lot of people create a perception in their minds that they are operating 100% in favour of the change because they want it 100% mm-hmm. right so because they want it that much, they think that their actions and behaviour translate to it. And that's not necessarily the case. And I think that's a really good point that you've made there about how the further on you get and the deeper into change you get, it's not that it necessarily gets easier and you pull back, but actually that it has to increase and it has to ramp up. And sometimes there can be a false expectation created in the early stages of change that I just have to sustain this way of being forever. But that way of being, well, if you sustain that forever, then that's just the way that you'll always be. When actually, if you want to take yourself to a new level that you've not been to before, you have to be willing to engage in a different kind of change. And that means moving up that percentage. And I think in in the initial stages, like you say, 60% is more than reasonable because too much change all at once. You just end up in the panic zone. Nothing goes in. And then you create such a negative relationship with change that you never want to do it again. Um, But when we look at sustainable behaviour change, it's almost like those slow, it's like scamming your brain. It's like those slow incremental stage uh, changes that actually you don't notice until you stop and reflect and say, I'm operating at a much higher percentage level than I am now when it comes to the decisions that I make that honestly with myself 
the principles through which I approach things. And I think that principle then translates really, really well into how our clients behave and operate, that depending on how much of a percentage they have, you know, to, to work with at any given time will dictate the choices that they make, the decisions that they make, the behaviours that they have. There will be periods of time where you have so much on your plate that actually you choose not to have the meal out or the drinking session because it's actually just not going to be, not even just that it's not the best choice for you, but you don't want it. Like you don't want it the same way you maybe would want it in other times because you're clearing that actually this is the goal right now. This is the mission at hand right now. Therefore, for this period of time, it's going to be a no, but maybe in a few weeks time, it's going to be a hell yeah. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's one of the things that I hear so often from people is that they do create that expectation of what they're doing now is going to continue to allow them to progress at the same rate forever. And a lot of people will say, I don't want to give up my social life, don't want to give out my meals out, don't want to give up my drinking. And initially, this is at the start of the process, because at the end of the day, see when people are telling you that they're going to take the things that are fun to you right now when you're unhappy away from you, it's fucking shit. And you can't see a future without them. If you, if you look back on where I used to be maybe like seven years ago, see if people told me they were going to take my weekends, drink food away from me, like tight a binge eating, fucking taking gear away from me at the weekends, I'd have been like, fuck you, you know? But see, now I couldn't think of anything worse. Honestly, couldn't think of anything worse. And I think that's what our clients start to realise is, oh, I never quite realised what is on the other side of this. I never yeah. realised that this was this was possible. I never realised I, I wouldn't have to rely on these things and I actually said something in my Instagram stories a couple of weeks ago which was I want my 30% 40% to be other people's 100% so when I can only give 30 or 40% to myself I still want to know that I am fucking so far ahead of where other people operate but most importantly so far ahead of where I used to operate so if I was at 100% before it would be my fucking 20% probably now you know, because by default, when I was at 100% before, my habits, my routines, my structures, my behaviours, they were so different. Now that if I'm feeling my energy going down, I'm operating with a lot on and I'm only got like that percentage in the tank, I just start to make very ruthless decisions with what needs to be prioritised. Like I'm fucking eight weeks away from my wedding and everyone just keeps saying, what's up with you? And I'm like, nothing, boring bastard, living for my wedding, training like fuck, that's it. People are like, oh, you're not like socialising all that. And I lead up, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to have a drink? No. Oh, because you're dying? No, because I am so fucking tired. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's so, so fucking tired. <laughs> I, know. I know. And it's mad because like, it, it's almost like you... So, do you ever get this way where you question why you don't want it? Right? So like, this happened to me at the weekend um, where my mental health just was not in a great place whatsoever, as you know, because you were you were in the receiving end <laughs> of me having a mental breakdown. Um, and in times gone by, I would have just self-soothed by food. Sometimes alcohol, I've never really been like a... I definitely was a binge drinker when I was younger, but I've never really been a drink away my problems kind of person, but every now and again I would. And like, I was thinking at the weekend, like, what, what will I do and like me and Paul were like oh let's just we'll get to town we'll get something we'll get a few drinks and I was like I actually really don't want to do that yeah. like I just and it's not even down to like I can't be bothered or whatever I was like I just know that that isn't the best choice for me the now like it would definitely it would soothe me in that moment but actually 
for the impact of how it would make me feel, it would prolong the way that I'm feeling as opposed to support me to like recover from it in a sense. And almost when you when you can zoom out and, and look at your whole life and the knock-on effect that the decision has, it starts to become like an unattractive option. And I feel that that is something that I've gained over time in engaging with change. Like I ended up going like a 12k walk and then we did go for dinner, but I had like one gin because I was like, I don't really actually want any more than that. And then we played a fucking murder mystery. <laughs> like it was great. But they were all like healing, nurturing things that were actually going to benefit me and help me to feel better and more well rested and actually give me what I needed as opposed to just going back to the same old what I would have always done before. It's almost like you can zoom out and say, actually, that's just only that's just going to prolong this feeling. Yeah. Um as opposed to help you to heal from it. But sometimes it's like when you don't default to it or you stop and go, I don't actually want that, you're like, oh my God, who is this person? One hundred percent. And it's just like finding things that are more soothing for you. You know, and I think a lot of people don't ask themselves, what do I need right now? Like, mm. it takes time to understand, like, when you're really burnt out and you're really fucking stretched too thin, that you do really just need rest. So I think the same people, especially high performers are, they want to do their best at everything that they do and they don't want to be able to show any form of weakness. But I think something that's so important to understand is even when you are aggressive, you need to be aggressive enough with what you do to be gentle at the same time. And that's what a lot of people don't get. Like they think that being gentle is showing weakness and being kind to yourself is showing weakness because you're being more gentle. But if you're just someone that's extremely aggressive with what you do and you don't take that gentle side of you into consideration to show yourself that care, you really are not doing it for how you truly want to feel. And then therefore it's not sustainable either. And the, the choices you make by default will always reduce this um, percentage limit whereas you consciously at the weekend whether you realized that or not just because the way that you've changed drastically increased your percentage towards the person that you want to be and the change that you want to go through yeah and that's what we want to achieve like yeah. a lot of our clients describe to us how many times have clients come into chat and done guys i don't know what's happened recently but i just feel like a light bulb's went off i feel like things have changed but i don't know what's changed and i'm like I I'm like, paradigm shift, paradigm shift. <laughs> We're like, well, that's everything you've been listening to, all the action you've been taking, all the feedback you've 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 taken on board. That is you now seeing the world in a different light and the way that you can live your life in a different light. And they're like, so refreshing. Like, yeah. I didn't realize I could do these things. And I'm like, well, look at all these things you, you didn't want to do initially because you were scared of the outcome from them. What do you think about them now? And they're like, could I fuck go back doing that stuff? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. So, because it's that whole change and transition, right? Change happens externally, transition happens internally. And the external rate of change happens a lot faster than internal transition. Yeah. So this is why a lot of people will go through a huge fat loss phase and then self-sabotage and go back to square one. Because it's almost like this dysphoria is created between the two different identities that you can't really connect with them. And this is also why it's so important to not only focus on one external change that you want to create, you have to focus on internal changes and transitions that you want to create as well, because that means your internal and external then work in synergy as opposed to fight against one another. It's also really important to focus on the external change that comes as a result of internal transition, or you just end up in that place of, oh, I'm feeling better. 
you start doing that deflection thing of I know this wasn't the right decision, but I'm okay with it, so leave me alone, right? Ah, fuck off. So so <laughs> regardless, you're just creating that dysphoria between internal and external that you're doing yourself such an injustice. And I think that when you look at the change process as a whole and where you almost sort of limit your behaviours based on the perceived potential like the more you go through growth that perceived potential or what would have previously been your comfort zone just gets bigger and bigger and bigger that the level of discomfort that you can tolerate is like exactly what you say like other people's 100% is your 40% because the level of discomfort that you can tolerate and still be okay gets so bigger that things that previously would have been impossible for you when life is challenging are just completely normal parts of your day-to-day, regardless of what else is going on in the background. Yeah, that's such a good point. A couple of weeks ago, you said this to me. You were like, your tolerance levels are so high that you think that putting up with all this shit is normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like Because you're logical, you can handle it, you can work through it, you understand the challenge, you kind of welcome the challenge. But at the same time, you have to recognise that these things also aren't right. So it was a very... Like, it was like sober in moment, it was like a revelation for me. Um, which is why, like, having people in your corner is so good as well. Because you can, how many times have we discussed the fact that we think we are superhuman at times <laughs> because of how much we can tolerate? And I think other people are in the same boat, they'll feel the same way, but also know that a lot of other people are still operating at that kind of much lower level with those kind of coping mechanisms and stuff, the flexibility in place so much so that they're just getting burnt out so much quicker, 10 times faster, and not realising the current issue just because they feel like they can have a high level of to- tolerance towards it, which is just something you need to be aware of. Um, what about principle number two? Do you know, you've seamlessly walked us into principle number two. It's almost like you'd heard it before. Um, <laughs> principle number two was that when the rock is pulled out from under you, you've got no choice but to get back up on your feet. Yep. Um so this principle was actually all about how we embrace how we embrace change and how we use life's challenge as a motivating tool as opposed to a limiting tool. Um, because I think that at any point in time in my life where I've seen dramatic and drastic growth, it has always come from either me whipping the rug out from under me or life whipping the rug out from under me that I fall on my arse and from there, like, the only way is up. And I think sometimes I used to think about really being in your lowest place and how difficult it was or, or really feeling lost and how hard it was to feel lost. And now I'm like, when you feel lost, you actually have so much opportunity because anything's possible then. Yeah. You're not committed to something. You're not welded to something you're, you're asking the questions, you're looking for where do I go, where do I hang my hat, what's next, that that actually leaves so much opportunity open for you that had the rug not pull, been pulled from under you, you would still be standing on a rug questioning if it was the right one or not for you. And like when I think about like just any big changes that I've made, like I think about leaving my job and I can remember being so hell-bent, <laughs> much to your dismay, Um being so hell-bent and making sure that like everything was right before I left and everything being in the right place and making sure that like financially it was, I was totally like replicated and sorted and, and 
you were just like you just need to fucking leave and then worry about it all later <laughs> like like you can it was almost like I was trying to project and forecast what would happen when I'd never actually committed fully to it I was trying to project what full time would look like based on like side hustle and you, you just can't do that um but actually because I was trying to create so much safety and security that I couldn't that actually I had to have all of the safety and security ripped away from me so that I could prove to myself that even when there's not safety and security, I can create it. And don't get me wrong, like this still creeps in every now and again. Like you'll get this yourself. I think anyone who owns a business will get this, where you sometimes get those wee creeping thoughts of what if this all fucking falls through the mora? Like what if literally this full thing falls apart? What if everybody chooses to stop working with me? What if they all think that I'm shit? Like, what? If, well, like you, you can run with all these what ifs you're blue in the face, but I think because I have built it from nothing before, I'm like, I'll just rebuild it. Like, there's not, there's not that... Um, it's almost like if I did have to rebuild it from scratch, how would I rebuild it? Like, what opportunity would it give me? What would I choose to do differently? Like, what have I learned? So I think there's something about recognising that Although in the early stages of change, you don't want an overwhelming level of discomfort. If you've been trying to change for a long time, right, you've been on this journey for a long time and you're still trying to get to the same goal that you were two, three, four years ago, you need to just rip the rug out. You need to change your life dramatically to facilitate facilitate the change for six months of your life. Like, really make yourself so consistently uncomfortable that it feels so intolerable that you have absolutely no choice but to change or stay the same. Yeah. I was thinking about one thing just before you actually said it, where you had to trust yourself to follow through with the fact that you had to have the the rug pulled out from under you. And what I was thinking is, from knowing you, the reason why I was pushing you to do it is because I knew that you would not let it fail. Because Mm. I'd already seen what you'd done working full-time, building a business on the side, the amount of hours you were doing out of your fucking mother-in-law's bedroom and... Bedroom. Was it in our bedroom? <laughs> oh, sorry, not bedroom, spare room. Spare room. <laughs> that would have been weird. Um, sorry, Chris. So, like, I knew you wouldn't let it fail because you'd already shown how much you were willing to do to mm. make it to make it a success. And mm. I think a lot of the time we don't see that in ourselves. We just see what we're losing instead of what we're gaining. But that's why it's so important to have that rug pulled out from under you because you need to see when you've not got that safety, when you've not got that security, like what could then be possible? And it's just, it's funny. I wrote a post on my Instagram about this the other day and it's basically someone had asked me, like, what do you do when life is challenging you and always pushing you down? And I was like, so the translation here really is, what do you do when life is challenging and you're not getting what you want? Because mm-hmm. it's what you want. You wanted the security, you wanted the safety, but you didn't want the discomfort. <laughs> you didn't want all the fears, all the doubts. And it's just, it doesn't, it's, it's not packaged like that. It doesn't come like that. And what I said is like, I go to all these dark places anytime I've been rejected, any failures, any hardship, any anguish. And I just drop on that experience. And I'm like, right, well, if you fucking got yourself out of that, you can get yourself out of this. Because as you say, that's business owners, these we doubts keep in from time to time but you've a lot of the time not got a lot of evidence to prove like what you're assuming or those doubts could be correct but you still experience it you still feel it you still have to process it and if those small doubts cripple you and you're not able to draw inspiration to overcome them or find a solution it's because you're not going to a place in your life where you are able to overcome things and I've actually spoke about this before usually 
a lot of the time you need to have had something happen to you in your life. It doesn't always have to be a bad thing, actually, for you to have experiences locked into position to call upon, to have had the rug pulled out from underneath you to then obviously take action. And I think our stories, as everyone knows, they're quite negative in a sense. And we <laughs> anyone would have to go through them. And sometimes people who do come from a more, let's say, privileged background say, I've never been through much discomfort, so how can I change? And I'm like, well, let's look at what your deepest, darkest desires actually are. Let's look at your fears. Let's look at your doubts. And most of the time, what this comes back to when people have that huge amount of comfort is the fact that they know they've always been comfortable and they rely on particular types of people to keep them comfortable. Their parents, their grandparents, like they are families own fucking big businesses they're multi-millionaires they've got that comfort but they also have this insecurity of comparing themselves to the person who built it their mom their dad whoever it may be their grandparents and they actually always feel as if they can't step up to the mark so it's actually far easier to stay comfortable where they are because they're in a very comfortable position rather than challenge that and put in the work because they don't know if they'd be able to hit the same heights as what that individual did and I read um, or I listened to Eddie Hearn's book, Eddie Hearn's like the boxing promoter. His dad yeah. was, um, what was his dad's name? Barry Hearn. He was obviously a promoter initially. And he'd always said that I hated the fact that I was fucking Barry Hearn's son. Everyone would always say to me, you're Barry Hearn's son. And he was like, I've fucking drawn upon that dark energy all my life to take shit further than my dad ever wanted to take it. And anytime I've pivoted and really created a new let's just say a new presence in the marketplace, people have been like, oh, by the way, is Barry here on your dad? It's more like, oh, I see your dad didn't realise because you're the big shot now. You know, yeah. you grew up on that. Whereas I think it's really hard for people that have been so comfortable to go through any form of challenge. And that's why within this programme, if we ever do come across those people, we are actively trying to get them to challenge themselves yeah. as much as possible. Um, and this is where behaviours come in, experience come in. It's really difficult to work with so many different personalities and i don't think people quite realize that because people when they're coming on do think it's just training nutrition fucking this and that but we need to unravel fucking all of you and understand all of you but also we need to get you to admit it to yourself yeah <laughs> that yeah. this is a problem because unless you do we can't actually help you change no because awareness is the first step of behavior change yeah. so like what we what we are aware of we can tell you we're aware of but if you don't believe it and you can't see it, then you can't change it, right? Because we are not, we can't change your behaviours for you. We can support you through the process of you changing your behaviours with our combined expertise. But realistically, like, as much as I wish I could have employed you full-time to come and pull biscuits at your mammoth, that, that just would never happen, right? Um, so I think it's about the understanding of taking responsibility for the fact that you have to get to know yourself and be willing to learn about yourself from your experiences as well. Like this happened to me on Saturday where I was feeling very emotional and I'm not really a crier. I cry to like five people uh, in my life. You're one of them. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just feeling dead emotional. I felt like I'd opened the flood the floodgates and I couldn't close them. And I was so annoyed at myself because I was like, why is this still happening? Um, and I could feel myself being like, when is this going to go away? Like, when is this going to stop? And then I was like, actually, that's such an unrealistic view to put in myself that I will never feel sad or emotional or overwhelmed or stressed again. 
and also all of the responsibility with what I'm finding overwhelming and stressful lies with me to change. But in that moment, what previously might have been me falling into a victim mindset of why does this happen to me? Immediately I was like, you just need, you need grit, you need perseverance. That That's literally all you need. Where have you found grit and perseverance at the times that you needed it most? And I go through all of the times in my head that I've I've leaned into sheer grit and perseverance. And it's not even just bad things. It can be like running. Running's a great time for being like, when did I really, really want to jack it all in? Like the points in the half marathon that I was like, I'm just going to fucking sneak away and not tell anybody. Like I'm just going to phone Paul and be like, come and pick me up. Um, like all of those times in my life that I've had to really go beyond the pain that I'm feeling and tap into something that is deep within there. It's the same thing, right? And I think that when you have experienced pain and challenge and you're aware of it and you take the lessons from it, this is the really important thing that I think that sometimes people don't take the lessons from the challenges that they experience and actually do something with them. Right. So you might be able to reflect on the time and say, I learned so much from it. And I'm like, well, what did you do with that? So from that thing, what is it you learned and what change did it create in your life? Right. So now when I've learned about that, actually throughout the course of my life, I have a tolerance for so much pain and challenge that now I can go through long and sustained periods of pain and challenge and be okay, which maybe isn't always a great thing in the sense that I expose myself to pain and challenge for longer than it needs to be there. However, it means that when things are happening that are out with my control, my resilience levels are high, that I know how to cope and I know how to survive. And I can always assure myself now that the time will pass, right? Because every single time I thought this will be my life forever, it has always passed, right? So I've got 100% track record of surviving 100% of the worst things that have ever happened to me, right? But that's because I've taken the learning from each experience and done something with it that I know what to give myself every single time now I experience it. And giving it to myself is the the operative words there. That's the most important part of what I'm saying is that I'm never ever relying or dependent on someone or something else to give me what I need in my biggest moments of challenge because I've had to find it, I've had to create it and I've had to learn the lesson. It's me that's responsible for it. Like, don't get me wrong, I will speak to people, I will open up, I will have a good fucking cry if I need to have it. And I will ask for advice in areas where I think, like, I actually feel like I don't know what to do here or I have multiple options, but I don't know what one to decide. But ultimately, it's me who's then responsible for implementing the change. It's me who's responsible for making the decisions that help me feel better, which is what I did all weekend. It's me who decides the tone of which my week is set following that, which I did today. I made sure it was set up in a very different tone than previous weeks have been because all of the control and all of the responsibility lies with me, nobody else. Yeah, that that's that's a mic drop moment, but we can't end the podcast now. <laughs> 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 it's only been half an hour. The, the fans would be raging. <laughs> I know it's so funny as well because we were texting each other earlier on, and I basically said to Jane, "Like, I think I'm a sick fuck. I, I quite like bad things happening to me <laughs> to see how I respond to it and take the lessons from it." And um, I think it's so important to kind of recognise everything that Jane's just said because it's not until you master that that you really start to move forward, mm. and like that's really what you have to embody. I feel, and like you said, it might not be the most appropriate 
let's just say way to live your life to always feel as if you're fucking running at a challenge and tolerating pain and all that all the time. Like we have clients that openly will say like, I don't want to be that uncomfortable. I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to have to experience that. And I'm like, well, you will only go so far. You've told me you want to be great and you need to be able to learn how to tolerate this. And the people who push through that barrier go so fucking far and they live such a good life. The people that don't always just live wondering what the fuck could have been you know, and still always live trapped inside their head as well, because these people you see have the same common issues on a regular basis, because they're not willing to go that extra length, you know, so that was absolutely class, what about principle number three? Again, we walk seamlessly into it, (laughs) Uh, principle number three is don't go to anyone else for validation if you can't give it to yourself, Um, which is actually really, um, really well aligned with everything that we were just saying there, because I wonder if sometimes people look for the validation that what they're experiencing is difficult. So so I think validation is important to a certain extent and having your feelings and emotions validated by someone else. And we will do this with the guys all the time. If somebody's going through a difficult time, I will validate them and say, this is shite. I completely understand why you feel the way that you do because from an objective standpoint, this is a shitty thing to go through. Yeah. So what are we going to do about it? So it's almost as if the, I think sometimes people look for for all sorts of validation and other people that they don't believe that they can give to themselves. It's a lot easier to go and get it from others instead of asking yourself, how do I build validation in myself and this thing that I'm looking for? And this can present in so many different ways. This can present in validation from the way you look to the way you feel to the way you behave and people crucially will seek validation potentially in certain areas of their life that they want in others so it's all rooted to where you feel most insecurity um and where you feel most insecurity is where you will go most for validation we watch this happen quite a lot with people who potentially have low self-esteem look for validation on social media um look for validation from peers sometimes we'll get people who will maybe seek too much reassurance like, is this okay? Can I do this? Can I do that? It's almost like validate my behavior because I can't do it for myself. I can't make decisions for myself. And crucially, we have to help you to be able to validate your own decisions, your own behaviors. Um, Where do you see people go for validation that you think that they can't give to themselves? Relationships. Um, friendship circles, definitely, but also intimate relationships, love mm. relationships, not even love, sex you know, just intimacy. Um, They look for validation definitely from family members. Like this is one we hear all too often. Like I can't say no to my mum. I can't say no to my dad. I can't put that boundary in place. Like you won't know the kind of shit storm that will brew. And I'm like, well, are your feelings and the way that you want to operate totally invalid? So you're validating them and the way that they behave, even if their behavior is actually almost insulting the way that you want to live. Like, is that acceptable? And I think... People aren't aware of it because they've never really been shown it. Like, this is how this is affecting the way in which you perceive yourself, the relationship you have with yourself. This is what's leading to all these different choices. This is what's leading you to taking these continuous actions that make you feel like you're not moving forward. You have told us you want this and you actually don't like doing this thing, but you continue to do this thing. Why are you doing this thing? And honestly, like, see, trying to get people to say, I'm doing it for validation, it's hard. I am of the belief that if you just spoke about the things 
that you fear the most, the things that are your biggest insecurities, because insecurities are things like needing to be validated. If you're open and honest, that is the first step about how you can change. See, if you say, I am doing this because I want to be validated from people because this is what I cannot give to myself. Okay, let us figure out how we can get you to give that to yourself. Yeah. But people are scared to say that shit. Yeah. Like, I'll actually use the 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 stuff I was talking to you about today, Jen. Like my papa died over the weekend, right? Me and my papa haven't had a relationship probably for about 10 years. And he's a very imposing figure, doesn't really speak to any of our family. But the reason why I retreated from the relationship with him when everyone kind of had a fallout because I didn't fall out with him was because I was scared. I was scared that he would end up maybe turning on me. I didn't want that rejection. I'd had a fucking lifetime of it. So I didn't want to experience it from someone that I actually looked up to because I was quite scared of my papa, very imposing figure. He was born in the 40s. He used to be a policeman, a debt collector. He was a bit of a fucking hard nut. He owned loads of pubs around Glasgow. And essentially, I didn't want to feel his wrath because I was still a scared wee guy inside. That was exposing my vulnerabilities. That was at the time I was really just getting into the gym as well. So that's where I was like fully focused on working on myself to be validated by other people. And people have heard this throughout this entire podcast. So I didn't want that torn down by a man that was certainly going to tear it down <laughs> because he would when he would get the chance. So he passed away over the weekend, we got word. And essentially I was having mixed emotions and he's not been part of my life for so long, but I was speaking to Joanne about him last week. And I was actually saying to her, like, I feel like I'm ready to go and see him. Like, even if he tells me to fuck off, that's totally fine. Like, I wouldn't have been okay with that before I'd have fucking shit myself. But I want to go because I feel like I am ready. Like, I feel like I'm finally ready to not feel as if I need him to validate me. But I want to go and be the man that I was always trying to be by saying, this is why i done it. I appreciate that you might not have liked it. I appreciate, obviously, we've not seen each other in a long time, but I would love to catch up, get to know you, so on and so forth. And it's so strange that we were talking about it on, like, Thursday night and then I got word over the weekend they passed away and it's one thing that I'm actually going to be talking to the guys about tonight in the open office is like don't wait to take action on things when you feel ready because I could have I could have taken action on seeing him one last time or a few last times depending on how the interaction would have went if I had done it and built the confidence in the situation rather than just waiting to feel ready I fucking I've had to spend 10 years the best part of 10 years to feel ready. You know what I mean? And all my experience leading up to now has told me that if I took action on it far sooner, I would have built whatever it was I was trying to build far sooner, like confidence in that particular area. And the reason why I felt I was ready is because I now no longer need to be validated by anyone, you know? And I've probably been like this for maybe about a year like with this situation because it has been on my mind in the past as well but then there's been so much on that I was like you know what I will get to it at some point but I was honest with myself with those mixed emotions I was feeling which was obviously it's never nice to hear someone has passed away but I never knew that man in the past 10 years so I don't really know what he was like what he'd done I couldn't really grieve that part you know because I've not really been a close part of his life for the last 10 years but I admitted to myself what pissed me off most was that I retreated because I was scared. I retreated because I was scared. I retreated because I felt as though I wouldn't be validated. And I retreated because I was just so insecure. And that's what I had to process today. Finally being that honest with myself, because I've always just been like, oh, you know what, the family never spoke to him. It was best for me not to speak to him. Like, gave some fucking bullshit excuse. That was the thing that hit me the hardest today. And it was the thing that pissed me off the most. 
because the new me looking at the old me was almost like there was like this conflict like you should have fucking pulled up your big boy pants and got it fucking done because look where you are now if you just taken action on this sooner you'd have been even better you know and you could have had an opportunity you could have had a chance potentially to reconcile a relationship and put everyone else's differences aside and do what you want to do but you fucked around and I was texting you earlier on and today's been a fucking well productive day I went away and took action on shit that I've been fucking probably a bit fearful of taking action on in a while and I just fucking got it done because I was like I, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about like something needs to happen to and, and force like fucking drastic drastic change and I've not had that in a while and I've actually not had a lot of emotion provoked in a while because as you said I can handle a large level of tolerance so then therefore I become very logical with why things are the way that they are I was fucking angry I was pissed off I was upset but many people I think even in that situation would try and seek validation like I wish I'd reconciled I'd wish I'd done that like grieve over it almost like you know and it's horrible to say but people do do this when people die they try and make it all about them whereas I wasn't I'm not trying to make this all about me I'm trying to look from I'm trying to look at the lessons that I can take from this fucking scenario and take from this situation. And I'm pissed off that I never got these lessons sooner. And I had to spend a bit of time today just processing it for myself because I shouldn't be coming into that sort of conflict with myself either. So I needed to take the time to process it, to speak kindly to myself, to do things that would allow me to feel well rested, energetic, balanced, so that I could then continue focusing on the things that I need to take quick action on from the lessons. And that's why it's so important that in order to actually not feel validated, you have to take quick action on the things that you want to be validated for in an opposite way kind of thing. Because I could have just stood up to him fucking 10 years ago and been like, listen, I get it. This has happened. This is how I feel about it. This is how I want a relationship to go. If you're not cool with that, cool. Like, if you're cool with that, then cool. What one's it going to be? And I wish I'd done it then, but it's because of what I know now that I wish I'd done it. And that's why we push people to take action like this so quickly, because we know what it brings. And there was probably a bit of me today as well, where I was like, I've not taken my own advice here on something, you know? I've not taken my fucking own advice here, the things that I tell other people to do. And it's been the first thing in a long time where I've experienced that. Like, I felt quite hypocritical. I felt quite I wouldn't say I felt like an imposter, but I just felt that I wasn't living up to who I truly was and who I've become. Um, so there's a little story for you. <laughs> it's really, really powerful, though. Um, and thanks for sharing that, because I think it's something that a lot of people will be able to relate to. And I think it's exactly as you've just said there. You could live with this regret and beat yourself up with a regret forever. Or you could take the lesson and do something with it. And that's exactly what we mean. Like, it's about understanding that when life does hand you these lessons and they are hard ones to learn, that it not only reinforces a way that you have always been, but reminds you of why you why you have created that way of being for yourself and why you've created that life for yourself. And sometimes a reminder of the path that you're, why you're on the path that you're on, but why you are the way that you are, because you're not the kind of person who would bang the beat of other people's drums just because they're banging them. Like, it is very much that you will make the decision that is best for you, and sometimes when life gets challenging, we can forget that that's the way that we are, and sometimes it is certain, and 
hard truth, but it puts it puts those sorts of things that some those decisions that sometimes feel minor into a major context to say actually this is what I need to learn from this experience. Um and I'm glad that you've given yourself the chance to feel emotion and grieve and be angry at yourself and be upset because I think sometimes we try and make the emotional logical and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is just emotional. I definitely. And it's like, I actually just want to re like reframe the fact that why I was so annoyed was that I was scared. Mm. Like I was scared to take action. I was fearful. Like that is the thing that I was most annoyed at. Like I think people need to recognize that when they are scared of things, when they're fearful of taking action, you are going to look back at some point and wonder why the fuck you did not do it, you know? Yeah. And this is what translates to like this journey of change. People will look back and they'll go, I fucking, how many times have we clients say to us, well, I should have done this 10 years ago. Yeah. Clients say no to coming on board, can't afford it, all that jazz. And then uh, they come around a year later, like, I need this. They start and they go, fucking wish I started this last year. When I said I had no money, and by the way, I did have money, I just didn't want to spend the money. <laughs> you know, because my focus, my values were able to at the time and I was spending money on things I didn't really need. They were satisfying me in other ways. And when you grow and you look back and you realize all of the things that you were scared to take action on and you were fearful to take action on, if it doesn't make you angry, I'd be surprised. But yeah. that fuel is just something additional to add to the fire, like that dark energy we were kind of talking about that you draw upon. Because I know now that this is probably going to be a very pivotal moment for me to do things that have been putting off for a while. I've definitely started on today, but I think it's such a potent modern day reminder. A lot of my reminders are from years ago. I've not had a reminder like this in years, you know, and it's actually a good, not a good reminder. <laughs> Don't want it to come across like- I get No, I get what you mean. I it's, get you. It's a good reminder to, to stay fresh in my brain that I can draw and kind of give me that fuel and I think people need to take the lessons from things because if they don't, like, where the fuck are you going to go and what the fuck are you going to yeah. do, really? Because it was never the action that you were scared of. It was the outcome, the potential outcome that you'd created in your head mm. that was that scared you. Mm. And, and this, is, this is where that frustration comes from, is that you will never know what the outcome was because it was based on only what you had created in your head. And that this is what keeps people stuck in those places and spaces so often because the action, we believe that it's the action itself that's the thing that we're scared of taking. But you know for you, that's not necessarily true, right? It's actually what the the potential outcome that we created, the scenario that we created that might be possible that actually might not have been right that's been the deterrent and and this is what stops people from taking action all the time is that the future is always unknown and uncertain by its very nature that's just how it is but it's our predictions that keep us stuck when actually if we don't do it we we will none of us have a crystal wall we will never actually know what happens yeah exactly you're so right you're so right so just be fucking truthful about how you really feel you can't yeah absolutely because <laughs> if we're if we're bearing our souls to use on here <laughs> Make sure you're reflecting back to us. <laughs> 100%. Principle number four. Okay, so yeah, so we have two left. So let's um let's quick fire through them. Um, let's do it. We have stop checking your high performance standards against the average performer. 
to convince yourself you're doing enough. Oh. This, this was such a mic drop when I said this one at the event because everyone just sort of done that and looked away from me because <laughs> they were like, oh shit, she's talking to me. <laughs> 100%. I said that in open office probably like two months ago as well because I, I was reminding people, I was like, just because you're in a room of mediocre people doesn't mean that you aren't still mediocre. Like, mm -hmm. just because you think you're better than what they are doing, even if it's slightly, oh, you know what, your pal gets 5k steps in, you beat them on your fucking step challenge every week. Fantastic. Great. Yeah. Are you moving any closer towards your goals? <laughs> yeah. are, are you? You know, like, don't fucking bullshit yourself and pretend that you are great when really you're just mediocre and you're trying to tell yourself you're better than mediocre people. Mm. And don't get me wrong. Like, see, if you want to be mediocre, that is totally fine. But we know there's so much more to life than being mediocre. <laughs> yeah. And actually, high performers don't give a fuck about what mediocre people are doing because they don't have the time to care. <laughs> they are in their lane and their lane alone. And whatever you're doing in your lane is not a concern of theirs because it's only a distraction from their lane. Um, and see, the thing is, right, see if Mary for your work gets a chippy every single Friday, but she's still a size eight, then that's none of your business. Right. So if you're telling yourself, oh, well, do you know what? I'm eating healthy all week and I'm having a salad for my lunch every single day and I deserve to have the chippy, then have the chippy. Right. You have no idea what Mary's doing out with work. Mary's probably crossfitting seven days a week. Right. And <laughs> lives for that chippy on a Friday. Do you know what I mean? So there's I think so often people kind of because their friends aren't doing it, because their family aren't doing it. Then the, the comments start to get passed of you're losing too much weight. You look ill, you look thin like oh come on we're away a weekend away get a grip of yourself just have a drink just just have a chinese with the rest of us why are you being awkward why are you being difficult right if you let all that shit get into your head and you tell yourself oh, do you know what i actually do more than all of these people in general therefore it's okay in this occasion to do less and it's the next occasion and then it's the next occasion like how often are you preventing yourself from what's possible for you and this doesn't just come down to food right we just use that as an example fucking have the chippy with mary if you want to have the chippy with mary nobody actually cares but i think I see this come up so often for people when it comes to like people pleasing, it comes to conforming to societal expectations for how you should live your life. This is what I should be doing. I can't do that because it's not what people will expect of me. And it's like, are you living your life or are you just living the blueprint of what you think life should be? Like, if you're comparing the decisions that you are making, the things that you want to what everybody else is doing, then that's fine. If that's what makes you happy, then go ahead and do it. But see if you want more. Don't compare the standards of more. Don't talk to me about the sacrifice that you have to make for the higher standards that you're holding for yourself if you actually want those standards because you can go and live an average life if you like. Nobody's stopping you. Like, knock yourself out. Go and do it. But see if you genuinely want to live life in a different way. You have to see these sacrifices as opportunities because if you continue to see them as sacrifices... You're going to keep comparing yourself to the same old and everybody else. And you're just going to keep using it as an excuse to sack off everything that you actually want to be doing and justifying it to yourself because it's 10% more than what everybody else is doing. Fuck that. You have to see these as opportunities to live life in a different way, not the sacrifices you're making in comparison to everybody else. You shouldn't even know what they're doing. Aye. And that can back down to principle number one, like that fucking percentage. Like you're just lowering your percentages. Like you could be doing 20% more than everyone else, but then because of your decisions, like elsewhere, you could be deducting that by 10 easily, but then you're still convincing yourself you're 20 fucking percent ahead when you're just generally not. And I think it's so easy to bullshit yourself because again, it comes down to other principles like 
validation. So it's like they know that this road is going to be a long, lonely road. Like I've um, I've seen a few like documentaries and stuff where people talk about being all in on something, like all in on a sport, all in with a performance, all in with a particular goal. And everyone that says I am all in in like these kind of documentaries and stuff, there's always a large percentage of them that drop out because they just go, I am not willing to do that to achieve this thing. And people were like, well, this is what you have to do. So do you want the thing or do you not? And again, people go, no, I don't want it. So it's like, did you want it for some reason? Vanity, status, validation. You're not actually willing to intrinsically do the work because it's not why you're doing it. You're not doing it for the intrinsic stuff. You're doing it for everything extrinsic. And the thing is, like, see if I have to tell people what going all in on something looks like. It is early mornings, late nights, not chatting to your friends as much, not socializing as much, not eating out as much, not drinking as much, maybe sometimes not going on holidays quite as frequently, sometimes having to go on holiday and work while you're on holiday, sometimes having to go on holiday and train every day when you're on holiday, sometimes having to go on holiday and go to the fucking breakfast buffet and watch everyone else eat pancakes as you eat fucking egg whites. All of these things are fucking... All things which you and I have done. (laughs) Yeah, all things that you and I have done. And that's the thing, it's like when people tell me they're all in and people in my career have told me like, you just don't get it. You don't understand. And I'm like, don't fucking tell me that. Don't hit me with that bullshit. Me out of everyone, I fucking understand very fucking well what you have to do because there's not one person that I have coached that has done more than what I have done. (laughs) You know, and that's why holding ourselves to such a high standard is so important as well because I will never ask someone to do something that I have not already done myself, suffered for, sweated for, bled for, because... I know what it takes to get to that point that they want to go to. And it's my responsibility to stretch them to that point and work them hard enough to see if they're willing to go there. And if they're not, they might hit their peak and they might hit their limit, but I will make them aware that that's exactly where they'll stay for the rest of their days if they're not willing to put the work in and do these additional steps. And that's their choice at the end of the day. And I know I probably petered about that point for a while myself before I went, you really have to go all in with this. You really have to do this. You really have to make these choices. You really have to step up to the market and show up, show what you're made of because people think this is who you are. But again, this is the conversation behind closed doors, but you're fucking telling yourself stories. So get out there and fucking actually do it and prove to yourself that you can. Yeah, absolutely. Go after what you want for why you want it. Yeah. And not just the, oh, I think I might want this. Like, unless you're willing to actively sacrifice. And I think people underestimate the level of sacrifice that has to come with things that you want in your life like at like last year I had no life even still probably this year I've maybe started to get some remnants of a life back but for the entirety of 2022 I, I didn't do it like very minimal things for myself yeah. like I had no pretty much no life I, I took time away for my 30th birthday and other than that, the rest of it, the full year just feels like a blur in my head because I was so all in in recovery, like physically, mentally, performing physically and growing my business that nothing else mattered. And there are sacrifices that are made in that and there are things that I missed out on and there are things that I had to give up and there probably are relationships that have potentially been damaged as a result of that for the people who don't get it. But actually, the people who love me, care about me, support me, are like, "Can you do you? Like, no. we we'll stand behind you." Do you know what I mean? So I think it's um, it's seeing the opportunity that comes from that, but the willingness to choose your opportunities as opposed to only define the decision by 
the sacrifices. Yeah, no, you're you're spot on, and I feel like 2022 is the exact same. <laughs> yeah. I feel, like- I feel like I honestly feel like I don't even feel like I'm in 2023. I feel like I'm at the tail end of 2022. I just feel like every fucking year's merged together. I don't even think the calendar year anymore. I'm just like, what fucking day in one week am I on? Like, what the fuck's happening here? You're so right. Like, I think people they've got a misconception as well of how hard they will have to work for for how long as well. Like, I've been rocking my pan into the best part of fucking 10 years. And don't get me wrong, there's been quiet spells. But I've never been quiet. I've never been slowed down. I've never really been off. And it's because if I've got this vision of where I want to be in the next 10 years, then I need to put in the work now. I need to put in the groundwork now if I want to then start to create more freedom for myself elsewhere. And this is, I think, what we see a lot of the time is like people have this expectation of when something is going to end. Or just like we said about the percentages, it's like when people stop losing weight on a fat loss journey and you're like, okay, we have to up your steps to this. We need to add in this cardio. We need to take away this food. And they're like, eh, what? Why? <laughs> and you're like, well, you're not going to lose any more weight doing what you're doing. Yeah. Like that from you're a deficit. the past few weeks. Like, exactly. And they're like, oh, but I'm already doing so much. And it's like, well, find the fucking time to do more if you want to do yeah. this. You know, it's not always quite as simple as that and in black and white, but it's as black and white as that. But we need to find out with people what the issues are that are stopping them from doing it. And I would be shy to say there's mornings I'm up at fucking 5 a.m. walking. There's nights at 10 p.m. I am out fucking walking still. Like, yes, there's nothing more I would love to do than sit down on the couch with Joanne, fucking cuddle up to her and watch something on TV just before we go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. But I am a fucking grown man that has said that he has responsibilities and goals. So I've had to fucking get up and put the fucking reps in because that's what I said I wanted, which means it translates to the work that I have to do. I have that responsibility to myself. And people very often have this, again, it's the perception of where they're willing to go. It's like, well, we do this every night. We sit down from half eight and watch a couple episodes of this on Netflix. And it's like, okay, so... Does that mean you're not allowed to go out and walk after half past eight at night? <laughs> or do you have one night where you don't do it? <laughs> yeah, or it's like, oh, well, I, I mean, I suppose I could cram my steps in elsewhere and I could still take that time. And it's like, okay, well, where are you going to cram in? Well, I've got five minutes here, I've got five minutes there. And you're like, mm, that's not really going to cut it. Like, you're going to need more time than that. And it's like, well, I don't really know where I can put it then. It's like, you're missing the fucking trick here. You... Yeah sacrifice that episode of Netflix and get your fucking ass out. hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. And I think you don't get to decide whether you want it or not, like really until you've done it. So if you decide at the start that you want it, you have to get it before you then go, actually, I, I don't want to do that again. Or yeah. actually, now that I'm here, that this isn't giving me the feeling that I thought it was going to give me. So what is the thing that I want next? Or what is the thing that I want instead? Like you can't decide you don't want it halfway through trying to get it. Because yeah. you never actually got it. <laughs> I, exactly. It's like, I would never do a physics show again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just wouldn't do it. So I've I've experienced that. I know what it feels like. It's not great. So I'd just rather not do it. You yeah. know what I mean? But I never fucking threw in the towel. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Let's go on to number five. Okay. <laughs> Very quickly. Number five is, if you can't articulate the issue, it's because you're avoiding finding the answer. Ooh. That's a fucking good one. Oh, and if, you, think, if you don't understand your problem, then how do you, you don't understand? You'll never understand the answer. I yeah. can't give you an answer to a problem that you don't understand. You can't give yourself the answer to a problem that you don't understand, but you're avoiding it. One hundred percent. And I think that kind of goes back to what I was saying about my papa passing away. 
it's like most people like so many people have been like i'm so sorry this and that and i'm like i know you're saying that because you feel like you have to say it i'm not telling you this because i want your sympathy for him passing away like i'm telling you that i need a little bit of space because there's something here that i need to be able to unravel and admit to myself find it and do something with it you know and people don't take that time people just like i think i previously to some extent would have still continued to work hard and process it in my own time but i've learned the older i've got that if i just take some time and process it then and there then essentially I get to my answer far quicker because I know myself better, I understand myself better, I'm more aware of my things. Whereas I think a lot of people just ruminate on it. Yeah. So like, or experimentally avoid, they'll just push it down, ignore it, and then they'll start to dwell on it another time. And I think when that stress and that grief, whatever you want to call it, builds up, it massively distorts your thinking of why you're feeling that way in the first place. Because I knew I wasn't generally upset by the fact that he had passed away. Like it's sad to hear anyone passes away, but that's not why I was upset. It's not why I was angry. I was angry because I know myself well enough now that if I am not telling myself the truth, I get angry at myself. <laughs> and that's what the fucking thing was. I wasn't telling myself the truth. And if you're thinking of something, I said this to you last week when you were having a mental breakdown. <laughs> I said to you, amongst the tears, I was like, you know, there's one thing in the back of your mind that you're thinking that you need to do and you don't always want to accept that you have to do it. And you're like, <laughs> and I was like what is that thing and you told me and I thought okay so when are we doing that thing and you were like okay I'm gonna go do it you know yeah. like, and then I did it. <laughs> and then you did it and then you did it and look you're fucking here today and you're smiling you're laughing and you look fucking 10 times better <laughs> but like it just goes to show like if you just take the time and if you're truthful people have this huge barrier up and you know what it's funny because most things do come down to fear doubt insecurity they're they're fucking really compounded by emotion mm. so much so that again it goes back to kind of like what i was saying about people not wanting to come across weak or gentle or like in tune with their emotions like i'm in tune with my emotions i fucking nearly started howling and greeting at fucking gardens of the galaxy that weekend it was fucking well sad you know what i mean because i could feel the pain of what was going on on, on screen plus it kind of relates to real life issues that i feel quite strongly about as well when you're emotionally intelligent you can understand your emotions well and how they hit home for you you know and you can express them in the most appropriate way people who think that they can just work harder and not talk about their biggest deepest darkest issues are not emotionally intelligent yeah. they are just scared yeah. <laughs> of what that what that also can bring you know yeah, absolutely and you need to respect them as well like Fucking right. you, you need to respect your emotions enough to say this is coming from somewhere so I have to take the time to figure out where it's coming from and why it's happening. And I think, like, if you lie to yourself, then you you just diminish any trust that you have in yourself. You damage the relationship that you have with yourself. It works the same as if your relationship was another person. Lies inhibit trust, and then that impacts the relationship overall. So I know that if I, if I lie to myself, then I can't trust and the decisions that I've made are, are the things that I've told myself because I've been telling myself lies that have led to the decision. And ultimately that then impacts the relationship I have with myself. Whereas if I remove the ability to lie from myself entirely, and don't get me wrong, sometimes there'll be an instinctive lie that comes up, right, as it does for us all, that I stop and go, no, actually, what is the thing? Like, you can just say it in your head, you don't even need to say it out loud, right? It never needs to leave this brain, nobody else ever has to hear it, but... 
what is the thing that's not actually happening here yeah. and I think if you if you really can't take the time to discover what is the issue what sits at the root of this and how do I articulate this if I am saying it out loud or if I am saying it to somebody else it is because you're avoiding finding the answer because like when I was having my little breakdown with you it would have been really easy for me to say oh this is what I think it is and I probably could have got away with making you believe that and I probably could have got away with making myself believe that but then behind closed doors it's still just me left with the issue right and actually just being able to talk to someone else about it helps me think through a thought process that what like I can't do really on my own unless I'm speaking out loud or I'm speaking to somebody so actually I'd, I'd be doing myself such a disservice if I decided to just bottle up all of those emotions like I'd be doing myself like the only way I have recovered over the last year and a half is by being willing to look at the different emotions that I'm feeling and build a better relationship with them and allowing myself to be angry right like I used to think anger was such a scary thing and Jean told me something that pure changed my perspective that was like the fact that you're angry means that you now feel safe. So actually what I previously would have been, because I have this, I kept having this whole thing about wanting justice and being angry about what happened to me and all of this and it's like the fact that I am angry now, she was like, do something with this rage, let's channel it, let's use it, like let's let it drive you and I was like, fuck yeah, like because for me for so long anger was such a thing that I was scared to feel but now it's such a positive indicator that I feel safe like so something that had I not been working on improving my own emotional intelligence like would have been such a negative thing you can't feel angry and now I'm like where can I get more fucking angry right where can I do more fucking spend all my time now doing mental finishers in the gym that I'm fucking crawling out in my hands and knees because I've had so much anger and I'm like this is great like just having a positive relationship with the whole spectrum of the emotions that you feel but taking the time to understand for yourself where is this coming from and what does this mean for me as opposed to just trying to fucking shut them down and just go on with it and just think positive fuck that I know I I said that to guys last week I was like fucking toxic positivity like everything's just all positive like Feel the emotions like if a bird shits on you, it's fucking pish. Imagine that or shitting in your head and me going, oh, fucking class day of the day, man. Fucking <laughs> bird shit my head. This is pure good luck. I'd be fucking fuming. Imagine you were going out for a dinner, like a nice dinner. You fucking got yourself some new fucking threads and a fucking bird shits on you. You know what we I mean? We should not get hate wash when it happens. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> but imagine like you're not just going to be like, oh, you know what? Like this is a really good sign from God that the animals are healthy and fucking. <laughs> <laughs> fuck the animals. He's just shit on me. I fuck this fucking bird. Um, <laughs> but you're so right. Like it's so appropriate to really use them to your to your advantage like you'd rather be a fucking warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war in a war <laughs> you know what I mean fuck it like just be fucking be a be a more self-aware individual or try and become a more self-aware individual that's the most important thing here but also with that self-awareness don't play the victim like how many people are self-aware enough to know this is what I do but this is just who I am can't change yeah. it I'm like, fucking don't give me that box you know, like you're either willing to change it or you're not. Simple yeah. as that. Simple Boom. as that. Boom. Um, yeah, we'll round off there. I think that was over an hour. Thank it you. was.
Yeah, I so think it's it a No, I think the people the people want more than an hour, so they told us. So <laughs> um, we'll do like a three-hour-long podcast and come and once we're back in a podcast studio together, we'll just hit record and not stop talking. See where it goes. That sounds like a fucking shout, by the way. Joe Rogan, we're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, thank you so much for always uh, listening, tuning in. Um, would massively appreciate any feedback if you share the podcast. Um, just spread the word if you find it useful and me and Jen will be back with you next week absolutely, speak to you soon see you guys, see you guys, bye